0: declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of Wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad and every single week we take a journey back in time and we go and look back upon the World Wrestling Federation's new generation and this week continuing the series of announcers, hosts, and commentators or commentators, hosts, and announcers. I can never remember the order that I said it in, but it doesn't matter. We're still going to talk about part three of of this illustrious group of performers with a very talented podcaster, a man who does many things, wears many hats, including wearing a hat right now. And he is uh, the rad turtle himself, Mr. Rob Francois, joining me for this evening. How are you, Rob?
1: I am good, Chanster. I've always wanted to do a project with you on on your show. And then uh, I've enjoyed the stuff that you've you've done with me on uh, Get My Go. And uh, you knew I had to drop a reference there. Uh, the count uh,
0: was about 35 seconds. On yep. My yep watch, that's so right. Well, go. I mean,
1: we had a good run, I had a good run. So uh, no, it's good to be here, man. I'm looking forward to doing this and breaking all this down with you.
0: Awesome. No, I appreciate it. And uh, you know, it's been an interesting little, uh, little look into this, uh, you know, the concept for the show. I mean, I really re-explain it every week. It's kind of giving you a look back. If you weren't a fan at the time, if you were a fan who tapped out, if you weren't alive, if you were somebody who has no knowledge of the new generation i'm not going to reinvent the wheel all i want to do is kind of bring attention to a basically ill-fated era that doesn't get the credit it deserves for setting the table for what would be the attitude era and also the guys who performed in this era basically changing the face of the business if we're looking at the uh, the grand scheme of things with the nwo but this series of the announcers the commentators and the hosts were up to part three we've covered a lot of ground and i sent you a a few names but here's the interesting part Everybody, for the most part, that comes on this show either says a they weren't watching, b they had no clue who some of these people were, and in your side of things, you actually were like, no, I'm good, I know all these people. So take us back to the new generation years. Where were you at in terms of uh, being a fan of the WWF?
1: Well, I was uh, I was a Homer. Uh, you know, I grew up in Connecticut, so I was uh, I was a WWF guy. So uh, I discovered it in '88, and and you know I watched it all the way up and through you know till recently. So I'm uh, very familiar with the new generation uh, and all the names that you you uh, you have on your list for announcers. So yeah, man, I, I watched everything I could get my hands on. You know, whether it be uh, you know when Monday Night Raw started, or I'd watch Livewire or you know whatever other shows they had, the syndicated shows like Superstars, Wrestling Challenge, all that. Dude, anything I can get my hands on, um, I watched it. Awesome. No, it's a, it's a great time. Again, I just, I, I
0: can't say enough good things about this era as somebody watching, uh, but you fall right <laughs> in line with uh, what I do. It's a, it's a very uh, sought after time in terms of uh, nostalgia. And right now is kind of the time where nostalgia is like at its peak. I mean, we've seen this Peacock deal with the WWE network and you got to think that the streaming of uh, Monday Night Raws of, of, uh, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, are a huge part of the viewing. So, what do you think to the uh, the person who hasn't seen anything from this time? What do you uh, what are you directing them to watch? Uh,
1: you know, I I honestly direct them to start at the beginning and see you know the very first episode and see how it grew. Uh, and obviously, a couple of names we have on our on our list here tonight. Uh, one one major one uh, is is Rob Bartlett. I don't know if you want to jump already into that, but
0: um, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to okay. him in a minute. Yeah, no. Uh, so you're saying you're basically in line with me i say that this uh, era starts uh the night that uh, monday night raw kicks off i believe it's january 11th
1: 1993 yeah no i mean you'll nobody will ever forget bobby heenan you know trying to get in the building yeah. or you know sean mooney out there in the cold and dressed up as a rabbi
0: or dressed <laughs> <up> like <laughs> exactly or, you know, uh, yeah i think his aunt or something it was classic you know bobby heenan comedy at its greatest but Uh, It's self-turning from a studio show with a panel of uh, various heels and babyfaces turning into a live television spectacle. Uh, I mean, going out on a limb for sure, but definitely something we didn't see before. But a couple familiar faces, you know, you still get your, you know, your Tito Santanas and, and the Nasty Boys and guys like that who I consider to be in the Federation era. But yeah. that new generation, different look, maybe some different colors, you know, literally attire wise, a lot of bright colors. Uh, but that's yeah, yeah, had yeah, no... yeah, Max
1: Moon, you know, Max Moon was a very yeah, colorful Max guy. Moon,
0: and... I mean, the, the Superstar set kind of changes a little bit yeah. uh, for a short period of time. They go with like a very like uh, paintbrushy style of <laughs> yeah. bright blues and yellows. And, you know, it's very reflective of 1993. But you said it right there. Rob Bartlett a New York city comedian, a guy who would be very famous on the I miss in the morning program. If anybody remembers uh, the I miss show when it was on MSNBC. And I remember listening to it on WFAN in New York, but Rob Bartlett uh, oddly picked to be at ringside and in the commentary booth with Vince and the macho man. Uh, What are your impressions of Rob Bartlett as an announcer?
1: Obviously, first of all, when I saw him, I'm like, who is this guy? I I was not familiar. I mean, even being in Connecticut, I I didn't, I didn't have New York radio, which is funny. It just depends where you are in Connecticut. But, uh, so I had no idea who he was and I'm like, that, that's, that's a weird guy to be with Mach and, uh, and Vince, but, uh, I thought he was funny. I thought he brought something different to the table. I didn't, I didn't like it as much then as, you know, as I respect him now, yeah. uh, because that's a tough job, dude, to, to go into a world that you're, you have no idea what it's all about. And it's a completely new experience. And, Try to hang with, with these over-the-top, you know, characters like Macho Man, and even Vince as a commentator was, uh, was you know, himself turned up to 15, so uh, you, you got to give the guy credit for, for giving it a go, uh, and I thought a lot of his stuff was funny, he had a lot of one-liners and stuff like that, and dude, it, and it's really hard to keep up with, with guys like with Macho Man and Vince that are just natural, you know, natural characters. Yeah, i I'm right
0: in line with you at, at the time was like why is this guy here <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't I don't get it I don't understand but now looking back you know watching some of the clips it's pretty funny you know there's yeah. some timely humor that it, probably going over you know anybody who's in the uh you know 10 to 15 year old range, which and, I was right so, yeah. and which I was as well and yeah. maybe going over our heads but uh the clip that I sent you in particular I believe was at the ringside clip with sherry and Luna yeah I mean, he's perfect right there in the middle. He clearly doesn't know what the hell is going on. I definitely don't think they smartened him up to a lot of the things that were actually going to happen. And, I mean, just his timing, his kind of smug look, his chewing the gum. Uh, I think he fits in perfectly with those early Monday Night Raws. And he'd hang around for a little while. But uh, just nonetheless, see, putting the old cap back on, which was probably, you know, like a sideways like starter cap back in uh, 93, a, not a great choice then. Maybe a little bit better now.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think he would he, he would fit in better now than, than he did back then. But you also got to give Vince credit for bringing him in and, and trying something different. Obviously, there was something about Rob that he liked uh, and, and thought he could bring to the show. Um, I think Macho Man was, was really wondering, like, what the hell's going on here, man? He's <laughs> trying, trying to take my job, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, you know, you never know what Macho Man was thinking. But, dude, wh- wh- I, I still look at it fondly because it was different. Like you said, with the studio show, uh, which was usually like Vince and, you know, like Mr. Perfect, Bobby Heenan, and they they would, you know, uh, have various guests like Hillbilly Jim and, and guys like that, but, you know, to go to a live show at the Manhattan Center, which is just uh, the visual alone of that uh, was such a stark contrast. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved it, and I also didn't mind Rob Bartlett later on in life.
0: I completely agree. And, you know, a lot of him, his impressions to me sound alike. You know, <laughs> it's fine. the The perfect impressionist. A lot of you see a lot of the same similarities in each of their characters. And uh, if you do search Rob Bartlett in your YouTube uh, search engine, you'll see a lot of the impressions he's done. Like I said, on I'mus, so you'll see some of his stand up over the years. And I would even see him again years later. He would be on uh, OP Radio on Sirius XM. Uh, he just always was very timely. But it just it's it's odd to picture him in that mix at at such a pivotal time for a show like Monday Night Raw. But you get to see how they were trying to be a little different. It wasn't just your traditional. Like if it was Vince Macho Man and Lord Alfred Hayes, I I don't know if we were going to get that same gritty Monday Night Raw vibe.
1: Right. And that's what they're going for. Like, I mean, their, their catchphrase was, uh, what, uncut, uncooked, uh, uncensored. Uncensored. They, uncensored. Yeah. They, they kept changing around. Like They kept like changing one of the words around. But yeah, they were, they were trying to be different. They're trying to be edgy. And, and obviously it's completely different to what, you know, TBS was doing. So, uh, they had to come out hot and out of the box. And, uh, look, Vince is always going on, uh, out in a limb to try things, you know, to, to try different things. Uh, whether it works or not. He's still going to try it. So (laughs) Vince, as we know, has a lot of moxie, and he's not afraid to fail. Uh, But I still think this was a uh, success because I was glued to the TV every Monday night. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you'd see Nitro would think outside the box in '95. They'd have Steve McMichael mm-hmm. in with Bischoff and Heenan, and obviously Steve McMichael would then you know pair off and become a, a wrestler. I don't think Rob Bartlett had yeah. any uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any aspirations. Yeah, I don't, yeah. No I don't think any. Yeah, I don't think anything <laughs> in his uh, his being was uh, to be a wrestler. Even as a manager, it wouldn't have worked for him. Uh, yeah. He was perfect as just a kind of a douchey, you know, side uh announcer uh yeah, he for- was kind of a, he called, he was kind of a douche wasn't he i think that was the character. it was yeah, no, yeah look he was supposed to be this the slimy sleazy nightclub guy you know he was the right. nightclub comedian and they always talked about he was a comedian they were comedian rob bartlett yeah uh i thought he fit in very well uh a great little addition to this uh new generation era uh and if you listen to the past shows over the last few weeks we did talk about you know vince and macho man and what they brought to the table and bobby heenan and obviously the strength that he had but then some of the side characters who either had cups of coffee. They didn't last very long. They came back in the case of a brother love. Uh, Rob Bartlett, it was thinking outside the box, but maybe a swing and a miss in terms of the execution. And a guy we've talked about a lot on this show because he's really tied to this era. Uh, I'm curious to see what your take is on the Toddster. Borrowing from the Chadster name there, the Toddster, Todd Pettengill. I mean, I guess if you could put somebody synonymous with the new generation era, you're thinking Todd and his mullets and his multicolored shirts and, and the different phases of facial hair that he would end up having.
1: I love Todd Pettengill now. <laughs> Back in the day, I thought he was goofy. I thought he was over the top. I thought he was a nerd. Uh, but he had he had tough shoes to fill. I mean, this is another guy. That knew nothing about wrestling and had to come in cold. Another New York guy. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I think I think Sean Mooney was the one that got him his job, if I'm not mistaken. Sean was on the way out, and I think yeah, Todd, Todd was on the way in. Pretty much. Yeah, and they knew each other uh, from before. So, um, yeah, Todd. <laughs> I go back and watch it, and he reminds me of a little bit of Michael Cole. Uh, and I don't think Michael Cole gets a lot of respect and I know he had nothing to do with this generation, but I just, I just had to throw it in there because the guys had a hell of a run, but, uh, Todd Pettengill was the guy. He did the pre-shows. He did the, uh, almost like the, uh, the updates, like Mean Gene would do. Like Mean Gene was kind of getting phased out and he was on his way to WCW. So essentially Todd Pettengill had to fill those shoes. Um, and for, for what it was, I thought he did a fantastic job. I didn't like it then. Uh, but again, another guy like I go back and watch on the network, and I'm like, man, this guy really, for knowing nothing about wrestling, did a fantastic job. Yeah, and brought back into the mix uh, in the middle of last year, they
0: did yeah. the uh, NXT yeah. in your house, and what and a he nice was great. Little, he was yeah, still great. Yeah, nice, he still had it. Nice little homage to uh, in your mm-hmm. house with the uh, the backdrop being the house that they gave away. Yeah, uh, but you know, again, it's it's more about the comedic stuff. I mean, maybe uh, Vince heard a couple of tapes too on the way into uh, New York City. <laughs> Right. And he thought maybe this guy's got some uh, some likes, but I mean, really so tied to the era, whether it was Mania or like you said, the the pre-shows for the pay-per-views, the uh, the in-raw, you know, event. They don't call it event centers during this, but, you know, the the kind of uh, mid-roll uh, Royal Rumble updates. Those were all done by Todd Pettengill. Yep. And one thing we've talked about a lot on this is the Slammy songs he did, you know, the intro to the Slammies in a very Billy Crystal like uh, atmosphere and song styling. Um, is this re- is this one of the reasons why people don't like this era much is because of a guy like a Pettengill who's so front and center on everything.
1: I can see that. I can, I, I can see that. And really it's just that era is, you know, the over the top stuff. Like, I mean, yeah, were there really great wrestlers? Absolutely. But you had a lot of gimmicks too. Uh, and a lot of stuff was, was real hokey. Uh, and that's just in Todd. I mean, for that era, Todd fit in perfectly because he was that kind of guy um but I, I can see people people not liking it because maybe he came off as a little bit of goofy or a little bit annoying and and you know remember doc Hendricks was there too so yep. um it you know turning michael hayes into a a, a character like that i mean yeah it, it was just it was just it was a strange era for commentators yeah, uh, but we talked about that last week with Durbin. We yeah. talked about Doc
0: Hendricks and like, what was he supposed to be? Was he supposed to be like, you know, your QVC style guy, like your Don West almost? You know, Were kind he, of, uh, kind of, yeah, pitch man, or was he, you know, a used car salesman? But you're kind of <laughs> right. It's it's that yeah. style, that comedic styling that yeah. they're going for. That you know, Doc Hendricks is basically a heel version of Todd Pettengill before he became <laughs> the kind of you know uh, the 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 ultimate fill-in for Todd Pentangill after they phase him out yeah. so it's it's an interesting trek but a good comparison
1: yeah it, it, it's just it, this was a transitional era like for WWF um you know coming off the uh the golden era uh and before you know the attitude era this was just kind of um just a, a I'm not gonna say it was bad because I I enjoyed everything back then uh but Obviously, it was a little bit of a down period uh, overall in wrestling because WCW wasn't even great during this time either. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of unique things that I think Vince was trying to do to uh, just freshen things up, man. Because, you know, he you got to remember, he lost a lot of guys. I mean, he lost Bobby Heenan. Uh, he lost uh, Mean Gene. Uh, he lost some of his, his wrestlers later on. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon was sick, so he wasn't doing as much then. So Vince had to do whatever he could to try to just plug, in, you know, plug and play.
0: Yeah, and he did it. You know, he did a great job of trying to find that talent. And we have some more of the talent here on the list. We'll get to them in a minute. But, you know, let's just talk about Mean Gene and Bobby Heenan quickly. And I covered them in uh, the first uh, week. You know, Mm -hmm. they're still there for about a year uh, from about January to let's say, you know, they're both pretty much gone by the fall, November, December. Uh, Did you feel, I mean, I think Bobby Heenan fit it a little bit better than Mean Gene, but Mean Gene feels a little bit out of place. Compared to Bobby Heenan, who kind of rolled with it, was great with the you know the humor and maybe being a little more edgy. I feel
1: like Mean Gene is a little outdated as you get to the new generation years. Yes, I absolutely agree. And and it's funny. I don't even think he fit that well in WCW. Uh, maybe just for me growing up watching him as a WWF guy, it was weird. But Bobby Heenan had the unique ability. And that, that's not to say Mean Gene wasn't talented. Like he's still the best you know announcer in the business. You know one of the one of the best announcers in the business. Uh, for whatever role he he was in. But Bobby Heenan had the unique ability to adapt to anything. Uh, he just had uh, amazing timing. He was such a smart guy, such a very witty guy. Um, you know, people give Jerry Lawler a lot of credit, but Bobby Heenan really was, was, was doing the same thing on, on a higher level. Um, you know, Lawler had some funny jokes, but, man, I, I'm telling you, Bobby could just, you know, just rattle stuff off and, and, and make it seem so easy and seamless. Uh, and just played an amazing heel um and, and an amazing foil to everybody so it it sucks that Bobby wasn't able to hang around uh and and kind of you know give his little flavor to everything but uh you know like i said they 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 did their best to find other talent to try to pick up the pieces but obviously you can't you, you can't fill the shoes of of a guy like Bobby Heenan Now, this isn't exactly filling the shoes of a Bobby
0: Hina, but this guy probably did wear pretty big boots at one point. What did you think about Stan
1: Lane as a commentator for the WWF? I actually enjoyed Stan. I mean, I I enjoyed Stan as a wrestler in the Midnight Express, but when he transitioned to to a color commentator, uh, and I believe he was on Superstars, um, I thought he did a really good job. He had a great voice. He's a great-looking guy. Uh, Obviously knew the business inside and out. And I thought he worked well, especially with uh, with Vince McMahon. I don't think people give Stan enough credit uh, for for being a good commentator. But I had no issues with him at all. I thought he was uh, I thought he was entertaining. I thought he brought a unique perspective to to the show, like a Jesse Ventura did, because he's a you know former former wrestler. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed Stan Lane. Isn't it kind of like funny though? I mean, he was such a great wrestler in the ring,
0: and he had such a natural ability, but he has like the perfect announcer voice
1: he does and he's got
0: that chiseled jaw he's got that like what you would pretty much say is like your prototypical you know like jacked up news guy approach like he sounds exactly how you would think he would sound if you put him behind uh, a microphone and and a headset and he did both he did interviews and he did play-by-play and i dare say I think I like him more in the play-by-play role than I do the, you know, interviewer role because no. what Durban and I talked about last week is when you take a guy who's like an actual wrestler and pretty much on point size-wise with the the wrestlers, it, it kind of, not that it overshadows the other guy, but you're kind of just like, hey, you know, hmm, let me compare and contrast. <laughs> He's like, we were talking yeah. about Mr. Perfect in that way. You know, Mr. Right. Perfect is such a huge personality. How do you put him interviewing somebody? But Stan Lane, I really like the
1: play-by-play approach. I don't know. He just seems perfect to me. 100%. And I think that's why they put him with Vince. Cause Vince is obviously a big guy too. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I Stan Lane was perfect for, for that commentator role. Um, I don't know how much I don't I don't really remember him as a uh, an, an interviewer. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I maybe I just blocked that out of my memory. You know what it would be? It would be more of
0: just like let's go to Stan Lane with blah blah blah. And he oh, mm, okay. you know,
1: I guess just this time is Lex Luger
0: and Lex Luger coming right. out. It wasn't any, it would be those platform, some of my favorite things, those platform interviews. Right, right, It would right, just right. be literally a box that was gotcha. in the middle of the entryway. And <laughs> yeah. the guys would just come out of the curtain and step a little bit to the right, and they'd be on the platform. And I remember back in the day, as I was such a little Mark, I would take, do you remember the old VHS, like, file draws that you would have? Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. yep. Put that bad boy down, you got yourself a platform for interviews. I mean, that, come on, that's, if true. that's not one of the more inventive ways <laughs> to play with your action figures. I don't know uh, what is, but I mean, that role itself was interchanged by, I mean, 25 different guys throughout that
1: era. Yeah, see, I consider that the mean gene position. Like, if we have the gorilla yeah. position and back, like, that's the mean gene position to me. Like, and that's what it should have been called, but um, yeah, no, no, no doubt the Stan Lane. You know, did a good job, but I don't think he left uh, a big enough impression because uh, obviously he didn't he didn't hang around that long. I don't know the reasons why he left. Maybe you do, but uh, when he was there, I thought he did a very good job. And, and, and like you said, he he looks like a million bucks, and he sounded great too. So I'm surprised he didn't have a, a, a longer run unless he chose himself. Yeah, not, I think it was all him. It. I think that he just yeah. he wasn't retained, and and that was it. But he was there
0: for you know a good part of two years. Yeah. Uh, if you watch and it's one of my favorite WWF manias, the WrestleMania 10, uh, day before during the fan fest, uh, he, he introduces the macho man who enters, you know, through the crowd at the fan fest. And it's just a spectacle to see this man wearing this, you know, elaborate jacket and hat, uh, walking through a sea of children who, if he walked by me, I would have shit myself. (laughs) Uh, but then Stan Lane sitting there with the microphone, you know, waiting for the guy. So it's just kind of
1: funny. Uh, these two, uh, early gentleman there in the middle of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, actually. I remember that. Um, and I I almost went to WrestleMania 10. Um, I was really, really close to it, but my dad wouldn't buy me the tickets. But I ended up going to 20, but I missed 10. Yeah, I remember 20 couldn't get the tickets, and 10, I feel like I knew 100 people that were
0: there, and I wasn't. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that was the way it went with the Garden, yeah. Survivor Series 96, WrestleMania 10, you, know, yep. uh, you name it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how about another... We'll give you another wrestler. And this guy was on the platform in the clip that I sent you. And he's one of my favorite uh, tag team guys uh, of all time. That's Raymond Rougeau, a very soft-spoken announcer with a very thick Canadian accent.
1: <laughs> uh, I- I'm surprised he actually... Uh, had that long of a run with, uh, as an announcer or, or interview because of, of that accent. But Ray Rougeau was obviously a fantastic wrestler along with his brother Jacques. Um, I mean, I, I, I loved them growing up. The Fabulous Rougeaus were, were over with me, even though they were heels. I, I, I just thought their gimmick was fantastic. And when Ray got out of uh, the ring and transitioned to an announcer... I thought again it's another perfect fit because this guy literally grew up in the business and knew everything about it and was very passionate about the business and uh I remember him doing a lot of stuff like on uh pay per views like at the like the AOL desk or whatever, <laughs> like when yeah. they had the like the live chats and stuff like that. Um I, I remember him doing that. Uh I remember even seeing him up recently, maybe last year, the year before, you know, doing commentary for uh for i guess their canadian team i suppose or their french team okay do they um, have him at the, like the desk when they ran down the 50 languages that
0: are yeah exactly playing? yeah he was <laughs> one of the guys so i was like
1: wow he's actually still doing it and he looks fantastic but uh, on and off he's had a he's had a run there for shit 30 years so yeah I mean, you, you gotta give him credit for that but no i i thought I, again i i there was nothing wrong w- with him i just think there was a lot of younger fans that maybe didn't know who he was yeah,
0: I could see that. Only a few years removed from being, you know, a fabulous Rougeau brother. And ironically, his brother, uh, Jacques Rougeau is teaming with uh PCO, yep. the Beckers or as Todd Pettengill would call them, the Quebecers. The Quebecers. Uh, yeah. During <laughs> that uh, that time span. But yeah, the, the 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 what I sent you, and I'll put the link here in the uh the drop down, is uh a platform interview. Ray Rougeau brings out Shawn Michaels. They're starting to build for the ladder match. The Intercontinental Championship, kind of uh, up for grabs at that point. Who was the uh, the real world, uh, real Intercontinental Champ? Uh, but now I, I, he's soft spoken. Yeah, he's not yelling. You know, he's just he's a straight interviewer, but. I feel like uh, he did a very good job. He looks great, just like a Stan Lane. He looks great in the suit, but just yeah. a softer, softer tone to his voice rather than Stan Lane, who's literally beating you over the head and could then <laughs> sit down at the desk and tell you every world event that was going on at the time.
1: Right. No, Ray did a good job in that interview, and I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, watching again, I I, I forgot how good he was. And, uh, you know, like I said, this guy knew wrestling in and out. And, yeah, he, w- he was pretty soft-spoken. A lot of people say he he may not have had that much personality. Jacques was the more, you know, outspoken guy, which we all (laughs) we all know about that over the years. But um, you know, I think more people, at least in the business, respected Ray uh, for being a a consummate professional. But no, man, I thought I thought he did a great job, and uh, and it it was it was a good fit for him. I'm glad he was able to at least stay in the business after he uh, he couldn't wrestle anymore because a lot of guys couldn't absolutely yeah without a doubt and you know a couple of the other names
0: i have on here we'll we'll we don't, we'll have to run through them quickly because two of them are huge names but they didn't really have a big stamp in the booth during the, the first half of the uh the, the new generation years but let's just talk about another wrestler who at the time in the wwf was off to the side he was actually with the Quebecers, their manager johnny polo who we've learned over the years was doing some producing, was kind of being groomed to be, you know, uh, maybe uh, somebody on the executive level. But Johnny Polo did spend some time doing commentary and spent some time hosting alongside Gorilla Monsoon. What are your memories of uh, Mr. Polo? (sighs)
1: <sighs> Mr. Polo, I knew from WCW when he was Scotty Flamingo, so I was I was familiar with with his early career on TV. So when I saw him show up on WWF TV, I'm like, what is what is Scotty Flamingo doing here? Uh, and obviously they changed his name to Johnny Polo, and he was another gimmicky kind of guy, uh, which he did a lot in his early years. But to me, uh, Scotty, uh, I mean the the real Scott, you know he he's a brilliant man. He really is, uh, kind of uh, eccentric. Uh, but most people that smart usually are, uh, he, he's a great talker. Uh, he has a very, very sharp mind for the business. Um, at the time, there's another guy where at the time I'm like, this guy's goofy. Like what the hell is he doing being a commentator Yeah. going back and watching his stuff? I'm like, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, he, he, his timing was great. Uh, his knowledge was, was spectacular. He's a, like I said, he's a great speaker. Uh, he has a great vocabulary. Uh, I, I thought i respect him a lot more now um, as a commentator uh, than i did then um, i thought he was better suited as a manager at that time um, but going back and watching him again on the network and, and seeing his commentary uh, i have kind of a new respect for him because again that's a tough job to do when you're not used to it you know when you're when you're one of the boys and you're you're one of the talent and you have to kind of transition to that role um, not everybody can do it i mean we've seen some Some failures over the year, but I I think uh, I think Johnny Polo did a good job. Yeah, and you know he uh,
0: really—it's one of those things. You walk through the WWF doors, and your past is now erased, and you are exactly fresh, fresh brand new character, fresh (laughs) coat of paint. Just makes you completely uh, unknown to the masses, especially if you do watch wrestling regularly and knowing him (laughs) as you know Scotty the Body or you know Johnny Flamingo or whatever he was—he was up to (laughs) that point. Yeah, For all us WWF fans, man, he was Johnny Polo and he Johnny Poloed his ass off and we only knew him as a manager. So when right. doing right. some of the, the studio shows, you're kind of like, uh, why is he here? We, isn't he supposed <laughs> to be with the Quebecers? But the good thing about him was they didn't put him in the ring. You know, they didn't make him the third member of the team and he would sub out for so-and-so if they were heard. They had matches where... P.C.O. wasn't there, and it was just Jacques, or Jacques was gone, and it was just Pierre. Uh, yep. So I like the fact that they they kept him solely as a manager. But if you watch some of the clips with Gorilla Monsoon, I mean, you see the chemistry between the two of them, and you yep. see how you know Scotty Raven Johnny whoever uh, really could can, can pop Gorilla Monsoon, and it's it's <laughs> very funny to see because you see Gorillas at the end of his run, and yep. you know a guy like uh, Johnny Polo, uh, such a colorful character. Uh, really kind of a breath of fresh air, but uh, didn't really necessarily have the longest legs. And we kind of have learned that over the years. Why?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, S- Scotty's kind of been his own worst enemy over the years and, and he'll admit that. Um, but you're right. He was one of the guys that could pop grilla monsoon who had worked with just about anybody and everybody. I mean, God, he worked for Bobby, he- you know, with Bobby Heenan all those years. Uh, like I said, Johnny Polo was, it was a brilliant guy. Uh, and and just so super witty, uh, another one of those guys that was just so quick witted, and it was a good fit for him. And I and you're right, I did like him as a manager. Um, I only knew of his career, obviously, like I said, from WCW. I didn't, he didn't, I didn't see him that much down there. Um, obviously, he wrestled a lot more in ECW. Uh, but while he was there in WWE uh it 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 let him get in there kind of learn all different facets of the business like you said doing some producing doing some commentary and stuff like that um you know he learned a lot by the time he got to ECW he was polished yeah
0: crazy right and if you ever watch (laughs) if you ever watch when he came into ECW it's great to uh see Stevie Richards build up Johnny Polo arriving in ECW and it's not Johnny Polo it's Raven and the transition is just like you know, to snap your finger, and now you went from this eccentric, colorful, goofy character to this <laughs> dark, serious, and like you know, absolutely like uh, mesmerizing persona. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite the transition. But you know, they didn't kind of deny who he was. They didn't say like how WWF would be like, oh, I don't know who this guy. Is. He never <laughs> right, yeah. anywhere
1: else. Now so. it was like, no, he was Johnny Polo, but now he's Raven. And it was brilliant, and, and then exactly. he came back to WWE all those years later with the run wrestling yeah. as Raven. So I mean, it, it, he went full circle. It was—I uh, can't give him enough credit for just being a smart guy, knowing his character and knowing the business so well. Uh, say what you want about his personality or, or what—I mean, that's that's up for debate. I mean, uh, you know, we're all we're all human, but as a wrestler and as a wrestling mind, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody smarter than uh, than Johnny Polo. Yeah, and how
0: about when uh, ECW invaded Raw in 1997? (laughs) Here walking into the Manhattan Center is the ECW champion, and it's Raven, where only four years earlier, he's standing outside the ring with a hockey stick in his hand, and he's Johnny (laughs) Polo. So that's just one of those things where, man, that's the beauty of what they did during that era, that a guy completely, completely different can come back out in the same place, on the same television, and you're like, well, that's Raven.
1: That's not Johnny Polo. That's Raven. And and to WWE's credit, they didn't call him Johnny Polo. You know, they they recognized what they had as a brand. You know, as a as a character, uh, and they they went with it. <laughs> you know, that that would have been great though for Jerry Lawler. To say, that, <laughs> I recognize that guy. That's Johnny Polo. That's Johnny Polo. He should have. That would, in hindsight, that would have been pretty funny.
0: Yes, and it's it's funny actually. I haven't put Lawler. On this list, I, I mentioned it, but I didn't really set out to mention him um, because, I mean, he, he is what he was, he was perfect. There was not, no critique. You know, there's nothing you can say. Lawler was perfect, but I just want I, I like throwing out more of the random people. Right. Um, and we're going to close out on two non random people. But before we get to those two, uh, here's one that I find to be very funny. If you even recall, do you remember Howard Finkel doing in ring interviews? No. Actually I don't. Uh, I'm gonna I- give you I'm gonna give you one really, really, really famous one that okay. you're gonna be shocked that this was <laughs> Howard Finkel. Do you remember during the New Generation era, the Survivor Series ninety three build when hmm. the Undertaker was named the fourth member of the All Americans?
1: I do. Yes. He, he reveals his cloak has the American flag, the flag on, the, on uh, the inside. Yeah, 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 the yeah.
0: The interviewer for that segment is one Howard Finkel.
1: Dude, I honestly did not even remember that. I, I remember the jacket, like the cloak with the flag on it. I'm like, what? That That's, that's so weird. Uh, completely out of character for him. But yeah, that, I did not even remember that was Howard Finkel. Dude, you are a, you are a fountain of information. <laughs> Hey, I'm a fountain of something. I don't know what the hell it is sometimes, but uh,
0: yeah, no, it's just it's one of those things. It's not a lot. It's, it didn't happen very often, but yeah, know, every so eh, once in a while, you'll see Howard Finkel conducting an in-ring interview on one of the superstar shows or or one of the you know one of those syndicated programs, and yeah. it, it was very off because he's live with me at this time is my yes, you know, and he do the whole Howard Finkel, <laughs> but only a few years earlier, and you would recall this very well, being the mark of the Federation era, Howard Finkel used to tell us when the WWF would be on tour, so we know he's great with yeah, the voiceovers. You know, He true. definitely yeah. worked out very well, but yes, short-term interviewer.
1: Primetime wrestling, yeah. Uh, let's take a look and see where the World Wrestling Federation is headed. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You know, it's funny, on the other side, Gary Capetta, their ring announcer, their Howard Finkel, yeah. Uh, actually did interviews, uh, in-ring interviews, occasionally. And the one I remember the most, and I actually had a chance to talk to him about it a couple of years ago, uh, was the one he did with uh, El Gigante, better known as Giant Gonzalez. Uh, and Giant Gonzalez spoke no English whatsoever. So uh, Gary said he had a limited uh, limited knowledge of Spanish. Uh, <laughs> so, um, or I, I'm sorry, he knew Spanish, but... Like I said, Giant didn't know English at all. So he said the Giant's promo was so horrible that he he had to make up his own English translation for the audience, for the you know for the crowd and the people watching on TV. And uh, Giant had no idea what he was saying. So uh, Gary admitted that he spiced up his <laughs> his promo uh, because it was just that bad. So that's uh, that's kind of funny. Didn't he go
0: on to be a Spanish teacher though?
1: He he may I, and I know he got into teaching. He may have, He used to yes, teach at a right. school
0: that was you know in my town, uh, yeah. in New Jersey, and I could have sworn he was a Spanish teacher. Maybe may I'm wrong. Right. Right. I thought you it was know, a
1: Spanish you, teacher, but uh, you may be right. I'll have to look that up. But yeah, maybe, I just thought that was funny that you know you don't you normally see the the main announce guys, the ring announcers, doing stuff like that. That just triggered a memory. Maybe uh, uh, maybe the Giant
0: Gonzalez uh, interview as L uh, you know in WCW. Maybe that. Uh, Maybe that inspired him to be, maybe. Uh, to teach the youths, or as uh, as we would say, the youths. The youths, yeah. Uh, maybe it inspired him. But all right, the two names I have here, it's funny enough that they haven't come up yet. First, Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. And we'll just lump them together because Jim Ross has been fired and hired three times during the new generation era. And Jim Cornette sparingly sat in the booth during that time, but... Still, nonetheless, you know, spent some time uh, doing minor, minor announcing. Let's just start with Cornett. What do you think of him as a color commentator?
1: As a color commentator, he's absolutely genius. Uh, again, I remember him from the NWA. I remember him first seeing him with with Jim Ross. Oddly enough, on the NWA Power Hour on TBS. So I was familiar with Cornett as a manager and as an announcer, and I thought he did a great job with with Jr. when he was in the N.W.A. And when he got to the WWE, he's a natural fit because he's a natural talker. And he's another guy that's a genius. Say what you want about his character. Um, he is a wrestling genius. And another guy who's absolutely quick-witted uh, and, and very, very funny. Uh, maybe off-color sometimes, but that's just Jim. I mean, he's crazy as a pet coon, as Jr. would say. Um, but, no, I thought, I thought Cornette was great. Throughout any you know all the years that he's ever you know he's ever done commentary, so um, I enjoyed what he brought to the table.
0: Yeah, he did more steady commentary in the Attitude Era. Uh, yes, like he your did. Shotgun or your WWF New York, yep. or even occasionally on Raw, but that's not our time frame. We don't worry about that. But <laughs> just in this time, there would be random fill-in times, and and Vince would have kind of a, a weird array of people. But Cornet would also sit in the booth a lot, commentating on his guys' matches and. That's yeah. where it worked, but he just wasn't a, a focal point for that. Obviously, you know, paired with Yokozuna and involved in so many important things during
1: that time. Yeah, I mean, he was the mouthpiece, you know, the American spokesperson for Yokozuna who had Mr. Fuji as his manager and Cornet was the guy that could get the promos over because they didn't want Yokozuna to talk and, you know, Mr. Fuji, who had been in America for 50 years, whether it was a rib or not, uh, you know, spoke English, but, but not that very well. So, Jim was kind of a perfect fit for that, but As a commentator, dude, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody better as a color commentator than Jim Cornette because he just brings so much knowledge and just so much genius to the table. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, somebody who he'd be paired with so
0: many times throughout his career, Jim Ross, famously, you know, debuts at WrestleMania 9, uh, (laughs) fired and hired a few times, uh, turns heel uh, at one point in 1996, and the heel JR, one of my favorite iterations of the uh, the man under the black hat, I mean, you got when he cuts those shoot promos in September '96. It's uh, it's the thing of beauty, uh, the fake razor, the fake diesel, the yeah. whole nine yards. How about the greatest play by play man in the history of
1: the business uh, during the new generation era? It was obviously strange thing at WrestleMania 9. Uh, I'm not having the internet back then. I don't think a lot of us knew that he had left. No, WWE. no, he disappeared. You turn on WrestleMania 9 and Jim Ross is
0: there. You're like, what the yeah. hell is going on?
1: Gorilla Monsoon throws to him and I'm like, holy crap, it's Jim Ross. And he's in a toga, no less. <laughs> uh, and, you know, again, he had to jump right in with Bobby Heenan and, and Macho Man. I mean, that's, that's, that's tough to do, you know, on your first day. Um, but, you know. Seeing him use sporadically throughout the early years was was tough to see. I mean, he was fired I think six months after he got there. Yeah. Um. And then obviously he had he had Bell's palsy later on, but you know coming back and and you know cutting those heel promos and and being paired up with the fake Razor and the fake Diesel. I remember the story that he told in his first book, Slobberknocker, of him in the car on a road trip. Uh, it's snowing like a son of a bitch, and he's driving with Gerald Briscoe, and he's uh, reciting his first you know heel promo over and over and over and over and over again for hours and and um, he's like what do you think Gerald and Gerald's like Jim I'm trying not to kill us right now he's like <laughs> please just shut the hell up <laughs> you know' I mean? Cause, like they're in the middle of a freaking blizzard and and jr was just so so worried about you know going out there and having to cut that promo because it's a completely different role for him um, Jim could do no wrong in my book. No matter what era he was in, whether it was Mid-South, whether it was Smoky Mountain, WWF, NWA, WCW, AEW, it doesn't matter. Jim Ross is, was, and always will be the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be.
0: You can't go wrong. I mean, you literally cannot go wrong at all. Uh, Jim Ross, the the voice of the uh, the Attitude Era, the voice of many fans' uh, childhood and, and yeah. formative years as as wrestling fans. But during this, you know, he's a, uh, basically a weekend announcer. He does some of the uh, the Royal Rumble reports,
1: and he some did the of the face to face gimmick where did, you yep, know, the face to face, huh? Yeah, I remember those. You know, a lot when he'd have. Uh, he would interview, you know, he was at the desk in a studio and interview a guy that was supposed to be like live or whatever. And they're, or, or both guys are supposed to be, you know, yeah,
0: they'd be in their hometown studio when they yeah, literally, exactly. they just have different curtains behind them. And it's like, no, <laughs> yeah. uh, Diesel is in Detroit, Michigan. And Shawn Michaels is in San Antonio. Texas, <laughs> right. right. now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I remember those very fondly, but you know, he did a great job at everything. I mean, you, you can't ever say a bad thing about Jim Ross, especially when he was on camera, because he was that, Good what he did. I mean, he learned from the best minds in the business. Whether it was Leroy McGurk and 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 Bill Watts, and um, you know, learning from uh, from Howard, uh, sorry, Gordon Soley. I mean, Jr. learned from the best in the business, and he had such a love and a passion for it. Everything he did showed that passion, and uh, you know, whether it was like I said, being used sparingly or just in different spots, or. Hell, dude, I'm sure he did even a great job producing stuff behind the scenes. I mean, he was obviously in talent relations. Uh, Jim Ross could could do it all. I mean, he might be the the best, like, you know, five tool or six tool player you'll ever see in in the the history of wrestling. That's why I saved him for last, because
0: uh, you're not just going to throw him willy nilly in the midst of, uh, you know, uh, Charlie Minn and uh, (laughs) Tamara Murphy and, uh, you know, all the other randos that we talked about over uh, the last three shows. But uh, definitely a great closer on, uh, on Jr. If you were going to pick somebody out of all the announcers that, uh, you know, if you didn't listen to any of the episodes, just anybody you could think of off the top of your head, who's your MVP announcer, commentator or host of the new generation era?
1: Rio Rogers, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I tried to pop you on that one. Uh, I, I don't even—I pe- don't even think people remember him at all, and I don't even know if he was New Generation or not. I just Rio him.
0: Rogers, we talked about him with Durban last week. It was you did okay. I, I, I miss—I
1: missed the show, but yeah, no. Uh, uh, to me, even though I put Jr. over as the best ever, he wasn't featured during you know that era. So, uh, honestly. Uh, <sighs> this sounds weird but i think it's vincent man uh vincent man obviously knew the product like nobody else it's his baby it's his business he knew exactly where they were going he was the one booking the territory with with pritchard and, and pat so uh yeah i i, I give it to vincent man I, I, You know what? I'm going to actually go out on a limb and
0: I'm going to agree with you. It's the reason why he was the first person that was discussed because the guy saw his vision unfold in front of him. And uh, there's no better voice for that vision, especially during those leaner years than the guy who's creating it. Uh, I always wondered why I've talked about it with a lot of people who are in the business saying, like, how did he stay (laughs) <laughs> in front of that microphone while all that stuff's going on in the back. And obviously, you know, he'd be tapped in and, you know, in a, in a microphone, uh, you know, in an earpiece. Yeah. But it's just amazing to see what he could do outside, ringside on the mic while stuff is going on in the back. And it's, uh, it's such a testament to, to the genius uh, that he is
1: and uh, I'm still running the show today. Yeah. I mean, he, he had the foresight to go out there and get in the trenches. Uh, and be the one to get his talent over. Uh, and, and he put the right pieces around him, whether it was Jesse, uh, whether it was you know Mr. Perfect or Macho Man or Roddy Piper or who you know Bobby Heenan on occasion, whoever it was. Vince always knew where they were going. And yeah, he he is the perfect one. I mean, the guy that it's his business, it's his baby. He's the one that makes all the decisions. He's the one that that approves all the angles and the storylines. There literally is nobody better. And you can even make an argument. <laughs> this is going to probably piss off a lot of people. You can make an argument that he's one of the greatest of all time.
0: No argument out of me.
1: I, I'm right I mean, he might not get it. enough respect. He Maybe he doesn't get enough respect from the fans as an announcer. But for those in the know and, and, and know what he went through... And all the stuff that he had his hands in, and, and obviously he had his trusted people in the back, like like Pat and uh, you know uh, uh, Tony Gurria and, and and you know guys, you know, I think Strongbow was there at some point. So I mean, um, he he had enough guys in the back to where he can trust them if he was out doing commentary that they would hold they would hold the ship down. But um, still, to to be the head of the company and uh and to make all the decisions that he had to make, and, and still. Get out there and and yeah, was he over the top? Sure, I mean that's just it's Vince's fan. I mean he's over the top anyway in real life, uh, but to be the guy steering the ship and knowing where they're going, there's nobody better. I mean, it'd be like, I'd be like Bill Gates going out there, you know, and, and doing all the trade shows or doing all the press conferences or stuff like that. Like it's his vision; he knows where he's going. Who better to do it than the guy that started it? Yeah,
0: without a doubt, completely, uh, completely agree. No argument out of me. So uh, before we say goodbye here, Rad Rob, uh, take a second and uh, let the listeners of the new generation declassified know where they can find uh, everything going on in the world of the Rad Turtle Man himself, Mister Rob Francois. <laughs>
1: yeah, Rad the Turtle, as Conan likes to call me on K one hundred. I have a lot going on, and first, first and foremost, I appreciate uh, you inviting me on. It was an absolutely. Uh, a, a blast to, to speak with wrestling and especially a guy that's as knowledgeable uh, as you uh and Pops you. You, you guys Appreciate are both it. fantastic. Thank uh, you yeah. very much. Uh but you guys uh if you haven't heard my show it's it's rather a weird name uh and it's a long story how we got this name but it's uh it was all about branding. It's the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast which I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. I am rebranding soon and shortening the name so that's a that's an inside scoop that uh that I'll, that I'll give you. So. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're definitely going to shorten the name, come up with new logos and new merchandise and all that. So, uh, But for now, it's the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. It drops every Thursday and every Sunday. Thursday is on my own feed. It's the r r Podcast Network. You can literally just search Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. It'll come up on any platform. Uh, Thursday is my flagship show that I do with the Brothers Grappler. I do it with Grappler 6 and The Ocho. Uh, if you guys are familiar with them on Twitter, or if you're uh, from the brand, you obviously know who these guys are. Ocho does a show uh, with Vince Russo every Sunday night on YouTube on his on Vince Russo's channel, the uh, the Bromance Hour. Uh, I actually have the audio uh, version of that on my network, uh, so if you wanted to download that in podcast form, uh, you can definitely search the Bromance Hour with Vince Russo and uh, subscribe to that on uh, on Spreaker. Um, Sunday is my retro show; it's RTW Rewind. I also have that on my own feed, and I also have it on Hacker Hermine. Uh, part of the Hameen Media Group, uh, every Sunday on their feed. Uh, Subscribe to uh, Hacker Hameen on on Podbean or any other uh, of your favorite podcast apps. And I'm very fortunate they gave me an opportunity to be on their main feed. Uh, And that's my show where I talk to former wrestlers, former personalities uh, from the sport of professional wrestling from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, as well as doing watch-alongs of uh, some of our favorite matches from the past, uh, and it's just all things retro. It's a, it's a passion project of mine that thankfully has taken off and been recognized by uh, by other people in, in uh, the Hameen Media Group. So I'm very fortunate for them. And I also am a semi-regular guest, which pretty much as you are uh, as well on Get My Go. Uh, it is the brainchild of the great Mike Durban, who was on your show last week. And uh, Mike Durban is a fantastic host uh, and editor and producer. And uh, if you guys don't know who Johnny Podcasting or John Wangland is, you're in for a treat. Definitely check out Get My Go. You can find them on YouTube, youtube.com slash getmygo. Or you can subscribe to them uh, in the podcast form. They have an audio version of it. Uh, it. It's definitely a very, very funny show. It's a parody of a person that, uh, as Chad likes to say, uh, is a cosplay podcaster. <laughs> uh, and we've had so much fun appearing on those shows and i'm sure we're gonna be on many more to come uh it's one of our treats that we either watch or listen to every saturday uh but yeah man i appreciate you having me on that's uh that's all i got going on depending on when this dropped uh i'm assuming this drops next week tomorrow oh, it is dropping tomorrow okay good you can cut that part out um i will not Okay, that's fine. Uh, we aren't going that's in the middle of work, there, buddy. Come on. No, that's that's fine. I mean, Johnny didn't teach me how to edit either, so no. Uh, th- we're in the middle of my second annual Rad Rumble week, uh, which I do for the big shows. I do it for the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and SummerSlam. Uh, so this is the second year I'm doing it. It's seven days of shows, seven straight days, starting on Monday uh, and going up to Sunday. This week's, uh, this Sunday's WWE Royal Rumble. So uh, check out all the shows on my feed. Monday, I did a watch-along of the 1999 Royal Rumble match with the Aussie guy, Dean Galloway. Tuesday was my interview with former WWF wrestler one-half of the Killer Bees, the president of the Cauliflower Alley Club, B. Brian Blair. Wednesday was my interview with former WWE re- uh, referee Jimmy Corderas. Uh, Thursday uh, is my flagship show with the Grapplers. Uh, Friday, which as we're recording this, uh, We'll drop in a couple days. Uh, Friday is my uh, interview with former Ring of Honor superstar and trainer, founder of The Wrestle Life, Mr. Bob Evans. Saturday is our Royal Rumble retrospective roundtable with personalities from the Hameen Media Group. We have MSG, RBV, and Michael Jargo coming on to talk our favorite Royal Rumble moments and matches. Uh, What else? On Sunday, we're going to conclude with our post-game wrap-up show when WWE Royal Rumble goes off the air. Uh, RBV and MSG will be on with me to uh, to break down all things. Royal Rumble 2021. Is that enough plugs, dude? Is that? I think I got them all in.
0: I'm sorry. I was going to get a cup of coffee and I decided to come back. And you were still talking, so gotcha. Uh, that yeah, be enough. That well, I mean, you,
1: you and you and Paz <laughs> plugged the shit out of everything on my show. Yeah, so, no, uh, I'm kidding with you. No, yeah. you're
0: doing a great job. <laughs> keep up the good work. Like I told you, on, off, and whatever we talk, I'll always put you over. So you're doing a great job. So keep doing what you're doing. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad E Follow me on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Twitter and uh for everything in the TMPT Empire, TMPT Empire.com and my personal website, ibexclusives.com. Check it out today. So for my uh good longtime personal friend, uh Mr. Rad Turtle himself, shortening his name, but not for right now. We'll just say the uh the raddest turtle of them all, Rob's Francois. This is the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading.